Welcome to CoreLogic REIP Market Insights with Tim Lawless. I'm your host, Sadna Smiles. This is where you will get the most up-to-date information on what is happening across the country in the property market. Our data is underpinned by CoreLogic. Tim Lawless is the leading expert on the real estate market, and REIP is a collective of real estate industry leaders committed to uniting and empowering the industry and our clients. Please enjoy this month's Market Insights. Hello and welcome to REIP CoreLogic Market Insight. I'm your host, Sadna Smiles, and with me is the Head of Research at CoreLogic, Tim Lawless. Tim, how are you? Hi, Sadna. I'm, I'm really well, thank you. And, and working my way through lockdown here in Queensland at the moment, but uh, yeah, hopefully, fingers crossed, it doesn't last too long. Yeah, it's your first lockdown since the big one last year too, isn't it? Yeah, we've, we've kind of come through this you know, recent round of outbreaks pretty much unscathed here in southeast mm. Queensland up until now. But uh, yeah, a three-day lockdown turned into a, a seven-day lockdown and yeah, I reckon it might be a bit longer than that. Yeah, I think it might be because you had about 13 or 14 cases yesterday and then, of course, Sydney's growing. Actually, before we get into the indices that you released um, yesterday, I just want to touch on the lockdown. I mean, there was a time last month where we had... 50% of the country in lockdown. And then Sydney went into the longer, harder lockdown. Brisbane's in lockdown now. Melbourne's out. Adelaide's out. Perth is doing what Perth does. How do you see this? How does it play out in, in the market? What do you see? Do you see stock levels come to a halt? Um, auctions reduce? Like just generally overall, what do you see when, when lockdowns happen? Yeah, it is changing, to be honest, and, and absolutely, there is some disruption. We, To your point, we generally see listings, particularly fresh listings, come down as there's less vendor activity because of the uncertainty. Uh, we see a fewer number of auctions being held, so uh, we see more auctions being withdrawn, more being postponed. But I think from a positive side, uh, we're generally seeing housing values still rising. We're still seeing um, the, the market quite resilient to any sort of falls in values. Um, it, it does seem like a lot of households or vendors are becoming, I guess, more used to these spot lockdowns and they're becoming quite agile. So for example, in the auction market, we're seeing um, a very, very, I guess, a rapid pivot towards online auctions, virtual inspections, clearance rates are still holding up around the mid 70% range generally. So we're not really seeing too much disruption from that perspective, but absolutely we can see like confidence readings have come right down uh, and uh, listings activity is also coming down at a time when overall advertised stock levels were already really low. So mm. it's a chance that that reduction in overall stock or advertised stock could even make this whole um, buying uh this, this FOMO situation even a little bit tighter mm. than what it was pre-lockdowns. Because that's reflected in the July numbers where the market has increased again, although not substantially, but we've seen, I think it was 1.6% rise nationally. Yeah, yeah, I would say that's pretty substantial for a month. It's, it's nowhere near as much that's as true. Yeah. March. In March, we saw national housing values are up 2.8%. And since March, we've been seeing this gradual tapering in the rate of growth, probably more to do with affordability than the lockdowns or uh, worsening sentiment. I think fewer people simply can, can get into the market because we're seeing housing values rising so much when incomes aren't really doing too much. 
And the values are now higher since January and in the last 12 months, which I don't know about you, but that does surprise, I guess you got FOMO and a whole rest of it, but I never thought it would be that situation 12 months ago. No, well, if you remember 12 months ago, there was a lot of uh, uncertainty and we're sort of just working out what, uh, what was happening with COVID. And since then, we've, we've seen the housing market just go boom. And if we look at uh, just the annual growth rate, as you say, it's about 16%, 16.1%. House values around the country are up nearly 18.5% over the past year. Unit values, not as much. They're up just below 9%. So we're definitely seeing this this uh, trend towards fewer people wanting to buy an apartment, more people wanting to buy into a low density environment. Mm. Yeah, I bought apartments and now I'm regretting it. But anyway, <laughs> I'll switch to houses next time. But the market is losing steam, isn't it, Tim? And, and we, we're starting to see that. What is that mostly due to? Yeah, the market is losing some steam. It's losing some momentum. I think most of that is probably just simply affordability at play here. Um, we can see that first home buyers are slowly winding out of the market due to affordability, but also there, there is less fiscal support or less stimulus available as well. And, and that's probably another factor working to slow the market. I think we could all say that, say, back in March, when housing values are rising at nearly 3% month on month nationally, Clearly, that's unsustainable. You wouldn't expect a rate of growth to be continuing at that rate for a, a, an extended period of time, especially when we're only seeing household incomes or, or wages rising by around 1.5% per annum. So even at the current monthly growth rate of 1.6%, that's more than what wages are growing in mm. a year. So we're seeing housing values rising more in a month than what wages are rising in a year. So that means it's taking longer for people to save for their deposit, more, more of their income needs to go towards funding their transactional costs and so forth. And the natural consequence is fewer people can participate in the market. Yeah, and that, that was always going to be the case. Affordability was going to be the key issue in terms of how heated up the market actually got. Yeah, and I think that's, that's just organic. Uh, mm. Further down the track, if we did see, say, for example, a credit tightening event, or we eventually start to see interest rates rising, that would have a much more, I think, uh, um, uh, sharper effect on the markets rather than this gradual slowdown that we're seeing at the moment. Mm. Let's do a quick trip around the country because we've still got listings uh, are still low on the five-year average and there is a huge mismatch between supply and demand. So let's, if we do a quick uh, flow around the country, what's happening in every state at the moment? Okay, so uh, we'll start in, in Sydney uh, or New South Wales, and we're still seeing Sydney leading the pace of capital growth, at least amongst the major capital cities. The last month, we saw Sydney housing values up 2%. Again, still houses outperforming apartments quite substantially. But again, back in March, we're seeing housing values rising at nearly 4% month on month. So that rate of growth is, has nearly halved since that, that, uh, that time. And of course, Sydney is Australia's most unaffordable market as well. So it has seen the most pronounced slowdown, even though it's still one of the fastest growing markets. Uh, in Melbourne, the growth rates are still being held back more substantially by the weaker unit sector. You know, last month, we saw Melbourne units rise by about 4.4% in value, whereas house values are up 1.7%. So more than double, uh, nearly triple the rate of growth uh, that we're seeing in, in the unit sector for houses, 
Melbourne has been an underperformer throughout the whole COVID period. Just, just the last 12 months in Melbourne, we've seen housing values rise by 10.4%. So it's down to the weaker end of the spectrum. I mean, in anyone's book, uh, you know, double digit growth over a 12 month period is still pretty strong, mm. but relative to the other markets, um, not quite as much. In Brisbane, we've now seen Brisbane's growth rate become equivalent to Sydney's. So up 2% uh, over the month. So it does look like Brisbane being much more affordable. It's really benefiting from these uh, demographic tailwinds coming uh, from interstate migration coming into the region. It's really pushing the market higher. And around Southeast Queensland, the Gold Coast and the Sunshine Coast really stand out. We've seen housing values in both of those markets rise by more than 20% in the past 12 months. So absolutely booming. Then getting into some of the smaller states, you can see Adelaide's up 0.7% over the month, Perth's up 0.3%, so relatively soft conditions in, in WA, despite the fact that we're seeing, you know, again, a strong demographic trend improving economic conditions. And then across the three smallest um, uh, capital cities, we can see that in Darwin, housing values are up 1.7%, the same in Hobart. And Canberra, another very strong result, up 2.6%. In fact, Canberra has really been the market to watch throughout this whole period. It's hardly missed a beat through COVID. Mm. Didn't record any months of decline, even through the worst of the COVID period last year. Very strong conditions. And Hobart is the only city where unit prices have actually grown than house values, isn't it? Why is that? Yeah, it's an interesting one. And uh, yeah, I can only guess on why we're seeing this, this stronger performance in the unit market. And I think there's probably two things. One is, well, affordability is becoming much more challenging in Hobart. Over the past five years, it's been the strongest, uh, it's, it's seen the highest rate of capital gain across any of the capitals, which means for locals, getting into the markets become a lot harder. I think for people migrating to, to Hobart, from say Sydney or Melbourne, uh, probably the, the dollar seems to go a bit further. But I think for locals, they're probably now looking towards the unit sector as the, uh, the affordable alternative. Maybe another reason would be that there is an older demographic or a more mature age demographic in, in Hobart mm. and uh, potentially downsizes, empty nesters and so forth. The obvious um, outcome is there that they're looking for something maybe a little bit lower maintenance uh, in the apartment market or townhome market makes sense. Mm, makes does make sense. And regional markets are starting to normalise. We're not seeing the huge leaps in, in values that we've seen up to date. Yeah, if you remember sort of late last year, we were talking a lot about the, the regional markets substantially outperforming the capital cities. And mm. that performance gap is really narrow. In fact, the past three or four months, there's hardly any difference between those, those macro measures of the combined capitals and the combined regional markets. But beyond those headlines, we're still seeing a lot of the coastal markets and the lifestyle markets still well and truly outperforming. So that's um, you know, the Byron Bays, the Nooses, um, getting up into the northern beaches of Sydney, the Mornington Peninsula of Melbourne, all those markets are absolute standouts for the pace of capital growth. And it really reflects this strong demand coming into these uh, coastal markets or, or the Southern Highlands of, uh, of, of just outside of Sydney being more of a lifestyle market. Uh, a lot of these regional areas just simply don't have a lot of elasticity in their supply. So as more people come into them, supply is remaining very low and, and absolutely pushing up prices. And they, and they get snapped up. I recently moved into regional Victoria um, you know, finally found my weekender 
and you know waiting for the next Melbourne lockdown where I can just get in my car and run away. Uh, but I'm noticing that you know as soon as the board goes up in these reg- in the regional market that I'm in, within a few days it is snapped up. It it doesn't stay on the market very long at all. Yeah, and this is going to be the uh, the challenge for real estate agents uh, all around the country is getting stock. Mm. And our original uh, um, discussion, stock levels are about 25% below average at the moment. Demand's about 40% above average. So it's pretty yeah. clear. Homes are selling really quickly and uh, there is still that, that sense of urgency. Yeah. And you think that given the prices we are getting for the homes that would have more vendors or more you know sellers wanting to be on the market yet they I guess they've got to buy in to somewhere else themselves and the desire to sell isn't there yeah well you know vendors are well, at least before all these lockdowns the, the number of new listings coming in the marketplace was kind of normal it was about average it was it wasn't above average uh it's, it's just such a rapid rate of sale that mm. those those fresh listings being added to the market is being purchased so quickly the typical time on market is about 28 days at the moment around the country. So nearly a record low. Um, it was a record low a couple of months ago at about 25 days. And we're seeing very little discounting on private treaty sales. And as I mentioned a bit earlier, the, the auction clearance rates are also very high. So all these metrics reflect absolutely it's a seller's market out there. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about the, the rental market. The rental market still remains very diverse across the country. Yeah, we're seeing rents nationally rising at about 7.5%. Uh, so that's the fastest rate of growth we've seen since 2008, uh, or coming into the, the GFC. Um, and, and as you say, we're seeing a lot of diversity. Markets like Darwin are seeing rents rising at more than 20% per annum at the moment. But we're still seeing some weakness around the inner city apartment precincts, particularly Melbourne, but to a lesser extent Sydney now. It does look like Sydney's inner city precinct has seen rental listings now come back below average and starting to see a little bit of upwards pressure coming in uh, to those inner city rental precincts of Sydney. Melbourne, not the case. We have seen rental listings come down, but they're still above average. Rents are generally still falling in the CBD, in South Bank, in Port and so, so forth. So it does seem to be that Melbourne is much more exposed to mm-hmm. foreign students uh, for tenancies, particularly in those high-rise precincts I think that's going to be ongoing for some time before we start to see uh, uh, rents starting to lift in those areas. Yeah, and and people just don't want to live in the inner city market at the moment, you know, particularly with the snap lockdowns, you never know when they're going to happen and they just don't want to get stuck in a high-rise building. And more recently, we've had entire high-rise buildings locked down, which doesn't really bode well for anyone who lives wants to live in an apartment, unfortunately. Yeah, I think in Sydney, we are starting to see some people coming back into the inner city, and it's probably simply due to the fact that rents have come down by 20-odd percent mm. in these inner city precincts. So it's much cheaper to rent, and it's, I think it's sucking demand in from some of those middle ring and, and sort of fringing areas. We can rent much more affordably around the inner city precincts. So interesting to see the, the different dynamics between Melbourne and Sydney uh, uh, despite the fact that they're both very dependent on overseas migration for, for rental demand. Mm. Now gross uh, national gross yield has reduced from 4.1% two years ago uh, to 3.4% in July this year and this is a record low isn't it? Um, what What is the end result of all of this? 
Yeah, it's not surprising uh, that we're seeing this yield compression. A lot of it's being driven out of Sydney. Uh, the typical yield in Sydney is now 2.5%. In Melbourne, it's 2.8%. And both, both of those are at record lows. Uh, it, it's not surprising considering that housing values are rising so quickly. So remember, um, nationally, we've seen housing values rise by about 16%. Rents are up a little bit less than 8%. So that means yields are going to compress. And you normally do see this when interest rates are very low. So the difference between mortgage rates and yields hasn't really changed dramatically, except in Sydney and Melbourne. You know, uh, if, if you're in Sydney and Melbourne and looking for a positive cash flow property, it's much harder. But if you go to somewhere like a Brisbane or an Adelaide or a Perth where yields are above 4% gross, much easier to find a property that's going to be paying itself off. Mm. Whereas at City Melbourne, definitely a bit of a needle in the haystack. Yeah. So strong market, but we're starting to see some uh, slowing down. Do you think it'll pick up again going into the spring market? Well, I think we probably will see vendor activity picking up at that time. That's, that's the normal seasonal trend. And I think that will probably be amplified by the fact that there's going to be some pent up demand that's going to be uh, unlocked coming into spring, as long as we do see you know, the virus getting under control and mm. uh, the lockdowns being lifted. So it makes sense that spring is going to be quite an active period for listings. Buyer activity, not too sure. You know, we have been seeing these affordability constraints limiting uh, some, some components of the market, particularly first home buyers and lower income families. So maybe coming into spring, this might be the opportunity for the market to rebalance a little bit and uh, give a little bit more uh, power back to buyers uh, at a time when stock levels hopefully rise from where they are at the moment. Time will tell, but almost undoubtedly, we'll start to see a pretty decent lift in fresh stock being added to the market. You just took the words out of my mouth, Tim. Time will tell, because every time we talk, there seems to be something new that's happening. Um, thank you again for your time, and we look forward to talking to you again about the market next one. Always good to catch up. Thanks, Sadna. Thank you for joining us. Please take a few moments to rate, review and subscribe to our podcast. Until next time, stay safe and stay connected.